0: Church family, turn in your Bible with me this morning to 1 John chapter 3. And I want to give this disclaimer for myself, not so much for you. I have a... My sermon page is usually just two pages. But there's so much here that I want to free myself to, if I don't get done this week, uh, to go next week. Sometimes I, I push and try to get it all in in one service because that part of your mind says... Uh, you know, that's being lazy, you won't have as much to prepare for, but I believe that this message for you, and those of you that have been with me a long time, you know I don't do this, could be top ten for you. I believe there could be so much change that comes from it. So would you stand with me this morning as we read two texts, you have one before you and then I'll just read one to you. First John 3, 1 through 2, if you're there, say Amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That's what God calls us. That's what we shall be called in eternity. And that's what we can call ourselves. That we might be able to say it now before the manifestation of the reality of it in the age to come. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it did not know him. But, beloved, now are we the sons of God. Say that with me. Now we are the sons of God. We're not becoming, we are. Now we shall increase in the unveiling of it, the revelation of it. But now we're not working towards it, we're not hoping towards it. It's done, it's completed. Now we're the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. He tells us what will happen, but we don't see it yet. It's not visible. But this we know. When he appears, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as God is pure. Now let me read this verse to you. John 1, 12 through 14. But as many as received him, as many as believed upon him, As many as have a firm, relying, exclusive trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To them gave He the power, which means the authority, the liberty, the right, to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on His name. We were born not just of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. When I first got saved, and I went in a Christian bookstore for the first time, y'all remember doing that? And you did not know your way around. I got a blue keychain. It was made in the shape of a cross. And it said John 1:12, for as many as received them, he gave them the right, the privilege, the opportunity to be called the Son of God. One of the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. And I, would, I got it because it was soft like that. And as you get older, see, you can't put hard stuff in your mouth like a keychain. You can get up to $2,000 biting on something. But you can buy the soft thing and carry your keys like this and have groceries and everything else. And all the white was rubbed off the corner and half the letters were gone. And for years and years, there were just a couple of times of year uh, a year, I would be going through something and I'd wonder, was that all in your head? Did that really happen? Are you really His? If you were His, why are you doing this? And I'd look at that scripture. But as many as believed on them, He gave them the opportunity, right, and privilege to be called a Son of God. And now we are sons. Father God, we stand before you this morning in desperate need of illumination, in desperate need of revelation. Lord, many times our problem is not our problem. Our problem is we don't know. Open our eyes that we might see wonderful truths in your scriptures. Unveil it, Lord. Move the veil off our eyes. Anoint our eyes with salve that we might see, that we might come into the fullness of understanding who we are and whose we are, and that that would change every part of our existence. I love you today, Lord. I'm so glad I'm your boy. I thank you that you are not ashamed of me. And I assure you, Lord, I am not ashamed of you. We bless you today. Open our heart. Increase our capacity, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. All spiritual change begins with illumination and revelation. You do not change by will. You do not change by discipline. Now, you can mature in your illumination and revelation by disciplines. But all change comes by illumination. Let me give you one example to prove it. Your salvation happened because you saw. Faith came by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you saw that Jesus Christ came to this world to give His life a ransom for you. You saw it, you believed it, and it sparked new birth. Those of us that have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we did not get it because we went to a service where everybody was crazy. That's not how you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see in the scripture where it says, uh, and this promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children and all who are far off as many as the Lord God shall call. And the Bible spoke of, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And you saw that if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly these rivers will flow. And you go, I believe that. And then God gives you this blessing, this experience, this infilling of power, not because you are better than anyone, but because you believe. Illumination, revelation opens the door to everything. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Jesus told the last day church, he goes, you you need to buy salve. You you need me to anoint your eyes so that you can see. And when you see, you can clearly navigate. Y'all heard me tell the story about my papa driving long past when he was legally blind. Had a letter said he was legally blind. That's how he got the handicap sticker, legally blind. He's just driving down the street. I'm in the car with him. And he goes, boy, what you see down there? I said, down there? Yeah, up there. In the road? Is them lights? Papa! Might as well be driving with a white stick out the window with a red tip, bouncing it off the sidewalk. Can't see nothing. I'm like, we're in an accident waiting to happen, but when you can see. And some of y'all put on readers. You waited in your 50s, but you should have got them in your 40s. And you put them on and you went, oh. I've been taking the wrong medicine. Oh, you've changed. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that goes both ways, baby. That goes both ways. But sight, listen, it, some of this for us is so simple. Please don't think I'm talking down, but you have to see it. First the natural, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. Little infants in the natural. We're infants in the spiritual. Some children grow up quicker than others in the natural. Some grow up in the spiritual. Okay. In the natural, if I can't see... I am handicapped in everything I do. So in the spiritual realm, how you see God and how you see you and how you see his word gives you the capacity to navigate navigate safely and expeditiously through a world filled with with dangers and traps and, and, and pits and snares. And you can see. You know when I conceded and I needed glasses? I was driving home from preaching. My buddy Andy King was in the car. He'll vouch for this. And going down the interstate, back then the speed limit was 55, and because God's listening, we were doing mid to upper 70s because it was the flow of traffic. Have you ever said that to a you? That's the flow of traffic. Try that in court, Your Honor. It was the flow of traffic. It don't work. And I slammed on the brakes, not tapped them, not gradual, at 75, 76 miles an hour. My car goes sideways, it goes off the road, and Andy has his hand. I don't know how that helps when people touch the hood. You're about to hit a semi at 80 miles an hour. Oh, touch the hood. You know, the, what do you call it, top of the car. And so he screams, ah! And I went, did, and I come to stop and he goes, what are you doing? Did you see that? It's a plane that landed up here. Andy, looked. I said, it's a plane. I saw lights, lights, lights. That's wings, you know what I'm saying? It was five motorcycles up the street. And when I got close and I saw those lights, I was like, Arr! and he goes, pull over. I'm driving. Shut up. I'm driving. And I'm like, see. Now, I can see you up close. I could see you, but I'd have to get under the interstate sign and go, that was my exit as you passed it. Anybody else did that? So you identify with me. Okay, so... You can get by, but not safely, not efficiently. and we live that way spiritually, because we don't see. It all boils down to this: Beloved, now you're the sons of God. I'm not hoping in trying. I'm his. And as we study this, I know it's going to take two weeks because I'm still in the introduction, but I'm not in a hurry. So that's good. We are going to see ourselves so clearly. See, a son can be a servant. A son can be a warrior. A son can be a minister. A son can be an apostle. A son can be a prophet. But a prophet, apostle, minister, warrior, king is not necessarily a son. Son first. And everything in life flows from that. All right, you ready? Oh, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm so excited. I am. I'm excited, excited. Number one, you can write, and because you are sons, dot, 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 and then we'll get to, I don't know where this water come from. I asked uh, um, Jeff Pelkey to get me a glass because there was none up here, and I turned around and it was up here, and he's got one there. So if anybody's thirsty, I'll Row 1, I'll seat. There's a cold glass of water for you. But Jeff's already drinking it, but he's not sick, so don't worry. It's good. Number 1. And because you are sons, you have the DNA of your father. I'm going to show you two things. Write these down, you can look at them later. Genesis 2:21 and Ephesians 5:30. Genesis two twenty one, and Ephesians five 30. We're going to look at Eve and Adam and Jesus and the church. So now put your pens down for a moment because I want you to see this as I read it to you. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And when he slept, he took one of his ribs and then closed up the flesh on top after he'd removed the rib. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man... He made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This she is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Ephesians 5 said, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and there'll be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and you, the church. Y'all got time for a joke? I just feel kind of, it'll help bring the point home. God approached Adam one day. It's not in the Bible. It's in some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, though. You'll find it in, in some of the old Talmudian books. If you search it out, he said, Adam, what's wrong? He said, I'm lonely. And he said... Uh, well, Adam, what would you do if I decided to create you a helpmate? What's that? Someone that would compliment you and complete you. He said, go on. Adam, she will be beautiful to look at. All right? She will wake up every morning before the sun gets up and cook you bacon and eggs, country ham, homemade biscuits. She'll churn the butter. No parquet from this girl. going to churn the butter. And she will have a, a cup of coffee waiting on you at the table. And before she takes a bite, she'll make sure that you're taken care of. He said, all right, keep going. Now, Adam, she's going to be a looker. What do you mean? She is going to make you, now we're all adults here, just chill. She's going to make you proud, happy that you're a man. She is. Hmm. What's that going to cost me? Well, that'll cost you an arm and a leg. What can I get for a rib? And this is where we are today. This is where we are today. Okay. Sorry. Grief, that was just for you. Just threw it out there. Just, sorry. When God saw that Adam was alone, it was the first thing he saw that was not good. And he put him to sleep. And he opened him. Whether he spoke it or used his hand, he opened his side and disconnected a bone. Snapped it off. Sealed him back up. And just created this woman. Now, what was Adam made of? Of Fom- Of dust. Just doesn't just made him. <sighs> but Eve was not made from dust. She was made from him. And God wants us to know as the church that although your earthly body was made from the dust of your parents, when they put that spear in his side, you were taken from him and you are bone of his bone you are flesh of His flesh. It's not just adoption. Although we have the spirit of adoption. He didn't create me. He made me out of Him. I'm His. I am. His. Does that humble anybody else? I am His. If you dug my earthly father up. And whatever remains there is from 40 something years ago. And you put it under the microscope. And you took the swab and went in my mouth, you would see that I am not just a thought of him. I'm not just a son of him. I am him. Me and him carry the same DNA and they can tell you that's Roger's son. Families have been brought back together where generations of lies have been told and said this one's not related, this one's not related. They did the test and the test don't lie. said this one has... The DNA of its daddy and its mama. This is why it was so important that Mary was a virgin. She did not receive the DNA of the people, uh, the, the seed did not carry the DNA of all the sinful people back to Adam. Jesus was the last Adam. So he came from God, the seed of God, the Holy Spirit. So there was no earthly DNA, there was a spiritual DNA. And when he was born, we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. We have an earthly DNA, but we have a spiritual DNA. I am bone of God's bone and flesh of God's flesh. That knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's not just he chose me, which he did, he made me. And I have to be made out of him to have his bone and flesh. And it didn't say blood. Because the blood comes from the Father. And Joseph is not my daddy. The blood comes from the Father. This seed had no blood. But he was made like unto flesh. And I am of him now, this flesh, as we know it, will be glorified and changed, so I'll be more like him. But the trace elements of who God is are in you now. Isn't that just mind-boggling? Mind-bo- I think that's why when the trump of God goes off for the rapture, I think that's why we leave the earth because there are things in us that hear what other people don't hear. Our DNA knows what heaven's trumpet sounds like, even if we can't tell you today. Now are we the sons of God. Letter B, this divine life, this DNA is not gradually added to us, but it is progressively unveiled. We're not becoming in the sense of add a piece, add a piece, add a piece. We're becoming into the fullness of who we are as God's children Unveiled. It's different than God piecing it together. It's all there. It's just growing up. Just how like your children learn to walk. Then they learn to talk and read. And then they learn to add. And then they learn who they are. And then they learn kindness. And they learn these things. As we study the Lord's word and we know him, more of our identity comes out and is an expression. But never any more than when you had them. Like Tammy, when you had your boys they are never any more your boys than that. And we don't get this. We think that we're closer by effort, actions, works, or goodness. No, our choices in our life is about honor. We're either honorable sons or dishonorable. We're either faithful or unfaithful, effective or ineffective. But the idea of boys, they are yours. And when you see that, And I thank him, I thank him, that that was one of the first things I saw. And it may not have meant a lot to you, or maybe you didn't know it uh, in its fullness, but for a boy without a daddy, it meant the world to me. I I would sign, when I would write him prayers, I would say, Your boy, John, your boy. That's what the devil targeted. In the worst season of my life, he was not fighting for my salvation because he could not have it. I told the Lord, I said, I don't feel like I'm your boy anymore. Because if you lose that, and now I'm just a servant. Well, the servant has to, can I come in? No. Okay. I'm glad to serve. If I'm a worker, if I'm a preacher. But a son walks into his father's house. He can open his father's refrigerator. He can take what he needs without fear because he belongs. And you're... Progression, what you think is a progression, is really just an unveiling of who you are in Him. Who you're going to be. We're not going to be on little puffy clouds in heavens with a harp. We're going to help Him rule and reign in this world and in the ones to come. What if He decides to start over and do a hundred worlds with the message of Jesus Christ? In the beginning there was the earth, and Christ came to this earth. And those that believe on the next, who knows? But I know this, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but I know this, when he comes for me, I'm going to be like him. And the last pieces of this earthly journey fall away. And all that's left, thank the Lord, is not our flesh and our weaknesses and our insecurities and our idiosyncrasies, but all that is like God becomes like God. With no outer skin, we will be like him. Not him. Not him. I'm not going to be God, but I'm going to be like Him. There will be no mistaking in heaven who the angels are and who the children are. 100 years from now, 200 years from now, however long before the rapture takes place and the glorious transformation takes place, one of you will be near the Lord somewhere, whether in the millennial kingdom or in the age to come, and you're going to start to Pour your praise on him by yourself, and all of the angels around you will back up and bow their head because one of his children is singing to him. One of his children. Us. You see, that elevates you past. It rises you above the world and the tinsel crowns that they give and the opinions of people. Because no matter who loves or who hates, who stays or who leaves, beloved, now I am a son of God. Now. And so shall I ever be. Terry, you could help me preach this. I could just tag you in. I can tell. Terry could just go with this. We are. We're it now. Everything in your life, your spiritual life, should flow from this divine deposit this divine revelation, this divine awareness. What good is the revelation if you're not aware of it in your day-to-day activities? Do you see how this modifies? It modifies behavior. It modifies speech. We don't need people walk. Well, a lot of people need help now in this generation with being modest, you know, covering yourself up. Be on Facebook at a Christian concert one night. and The next night, girl's shirt's unbuttoned down to her navel. You know, she's on there. Praise the Lord. And you go, what Anyway, it's just something to think about. I just throw those in there for free. If I am aware, watch how this plays out. One girl's getting ready before she's saved, and she's getting ready, and she's trying to look as alluring as possible. That's the goal. So she can catch someone's eye, uh, uh, make her friends envious, and catch someone's eye. So I'm dressing accordingly. The daughter of God gets in front of the mirror. She's getting dressed, and she feels the Lord's Spirit said, "Darling." That's not who you are. That doesn't represent you. You are made in my image and you are beautiful. And you don't have to give yourself away. You don't have to give glimpses away. You don't have to give looks away. You don't have to give your body away. You are my daughter and my glory resides on you. She buttons two extra buttons, combs her hair, covers herself up, and she walks as a lady, a beautiful lady, because she's a daughter. Not because somebody told her how to dress. You don't need anybody coming up. That, you look like a hoochie. <laughs> oh, I think I should repent. I'm going to go repent right now and change. It doesn't work. Even though the assumption was correct, the change doesn't happen that way. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Okay. But when the Lord tells you, that, does, that doesn't represent you. That, that doesn't represent you. You're my boy. You're my girl. And it works its way into our life and choices. Your sense of worth. Everything in your life should flow from this revelation. Your sense of worth. You are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. When he bought you, that's what redeemed means. It's a transaction. It's a purchase. When he bought you, he bought you not with the blood of bulls and goats, which all through the Old Testament pointed to the lamb that was to come, but he bought you with the blood of Christ. I remember when I saw this for the first time, it literally took my breath away. I just went, like, I literally froze. You know when the revelation is so strong, sometimes you just go, I can't even take that in. Okay, I've given you this example before, but I give it again for those that have not heard it. You, you never pay more for something than it's worth. Someone has a house on Zillow. It's funny to me, the people. I saw it on Zillow, and it's only been on the market two days. Well, what you don't know is it's been on Zillow five times for 365 days. This is the sixth time for two days. You know, But they said, it's on Zillow, and it's $100,000. I can't believe it. It's $100,000. And it's three-bedroom, two-bath. It's just what we wanted. Okay. So you're going, what should I offer? Well, a little bit less than that, and they come in. I'll give you two hundred grand. Why? They say sold. (laughs) Sign here. Why why would you pay? I'll give you 120 grand. I've I've paid over appraisal for something before. You have? Yes, I have. Because it was worth it to me. Kelly and I, when we moved to Brookfield, right up here by the church, three minutes door to door, if you catch the light at Capital City, three minutes door to door. I was the highest comp in that neighborhood. None had been sold at that. And I like a deal. Man, I love business. I love doing the math in my head. God gives me one caveat. You can't ever harm anybody or take advantage of it. If they get a good deal and you get a good deal, wonderful. But I love doing that in my head and do win, win, win. Everybody wins. I paid the top dollar. A friend of mine said, I can't imagine you paying top dollar. I said, it was worth it to me. What you don't understand is I am three minutes, 180 seconds from my babies. And those first three years, I would go home two, three, four, five times a day just to hug them, just say, hey. Or Kelly'd FaceTime me. You need to get over here, Kelly. <laughs> and she'd come in, she'd hand me two babies, and, you know, grandma's coming in for second shift and third shift. Grandma does all the shifts. But we'd come in and she'd just go, mama's gonna leave for just a little bit, okay. So, it was worth it to my marriage. It was worth it to me to pay that. Now, having said that, this is not a charismatic Pentecostal, oh, I hate how they use this. They tell you your worth so that you can position yourself with rights and demands. No, when you understand your worth to God, you don't open your mouth. You just fall on your face. You just go, I can't believe that. That he says, when I value you, the death of my son, My son, I will let them humiliate him, strip him naked public, beat him to the point that no one could recognize him. They will whip him with a cat of nine tails to where the blood and pieces of flesh falling off his back sounds like a dripping faucet. They will push thorns in his head, And he will be stretched wide and hung long on that tree. And he will suffer unspeakable pain so that you might be saved. That's your worth. So if you see that in the word, it does not make you walk arrogant or pompous or better than anyone else. But it frees you from anyone else's opinion of you determining value they just free. You're worthless. You are always worthless. You are the least of my children. You'll never be anything. So on and so on. The spouse that walks out. You're horrible. You're my worst experience. My greatest nightmare would be to live with you. And all these things go in. And you see in your word. That is what you say. And even if part of that is true. According to God, I was valued at the death of His Son. That's me. It's you. No, we're not arrogant. We're humbled beyond measure. And that gives me such clarity that if I'm worth that, someone telling me that I'm worth nothing, I have two people to listen to, the Creator or you. Anybody got a friend that thinks they know carpentry and doesn't know carpentry? Anybody got a friend that thinks they know electricity and they're not an electrician? What y'all to do there? Let me tell you about this right here. What'd you do? Don't touch my house. No, no, I'm telling you. I had a, a guy from our church volunteered to help me one time, and he was near my uh, steps at Overlook Avenue, and he did something in a socket, and it sounded like a mortar shell went off in my house. It knocked him from the top of the stairs, well, middle of the stairs, like half the way down, and he cussed. <laughs> he cussed. He goes, and it's, the cuss word come out, and he fell to the bottom. There was smoke on his screwdriver. There was smoke on him, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I could have done that. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I could have done that, Okay. So what if he goes, let me, with his smoking screwdriver, let me tell you something, I've been doing this, and an electrician over here says, he's a fool. The smoke on his screwdriver ought to tell you that he's a fool. Even if he has worked on houses for 30 years, you should not give value to his statement when a master electrician can tell you something else. Now watch. This is where it gets really good. But Lord, my wife knows me. My children know me if they say those things. My parents knew me. I made you. Oh. You see? They're playing pairs of queens and pairs of jacks. And God drops aces and said, I designed you. They don't know you. They know bits and pieces of you based on their miss, dis, and incomplete information and their ability to process facts and realities that that their opinion might touch correct every now and then, but it's so flawed. I view you as valuable, worth the death of my son. That's why we don't hang our heads in any company. Kings and princes, we show them respect, we shake their hands... Don't you be intimidated by a Christian celebrity or some pastor on television. There is no higher position than this verse. Now we're the sons of God. So I'm going to be intimidated by you because you preach to thousands of people. That's just an assignment. This person's on television. and This person travels and this person. That's just an assignment. When you get to heaven, there's no preachers. Well, this is bishops. Ain't no bishops. International recording star. Ain't no recording. Ain't no stars. They're children of the Most High God. That's the highest elevation you can attain to. That's why God was very clear. He said, and when people come in your church and the poor come in, don't you treat them differently and give the rich man the good seat because in heaven he's not going to have any of his money. they are children and their are children. And you're children of the most high God. So we're not better than, but I'm not less than anybody. Meekly, I tell you that today I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. (laughs) You know, when I come up here and y'all see me playing with my little girls, you see me on the front row and I'm holding them, they're seated with me. Because I have the right and the privilege to tell them wherever I go, you can go. Whatever I have, you can have. They're my children. Why would you jockey for notoriety in a world of immature and deceived people? Just know who you are and know whose you are. And, baby, if you got that, you are stable. You are stable because nothing eternal can be lost. Nothing. 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 You're his and he is yours. Your sense of security. We might get through number one, and there's seven of these. All right. Most of my series happen that way. I'm amazed at the pastors that for the next four months, this is our preaching calendar, and I'm going, how do you know what it's going to be? Anyway, okay. Your sense of security. One of my favorite verses. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure that the Lord knows who are His. That's your footing. It's not your feelings. It's not what anybody else says. It's not has a church approved of you or disapproved of you or a preacher said. It's the Lord knows who are His. That's my security. And we're not going to see it until we see it. You know, when you go through the airport, has anybody in here besides me tried to get through with something, I don't mean criminal, but something to test and see if the x-ray machine could pick it up, I did it. I got two diet dues in my cargo pants one time, down on the side. And you know they saw it, they're like, bless his heart, it's just a little soda, let him have it. I'm was, I was like, Score. <laughs> but you got anything metal in you, baby, and now they put you in that little quirly derby and it spins you around and pulls your hair up, and it can get intimate, Uh. But what? You you try to get through the terminal. Ah. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. Ah, must be the belt. Okay. And by the time, you know, you're just about in skibbies and socks, and you're walking through there, you know. Now, listen. In one sense, that's kind of what the rapture is. It's the vetting process. You can't leave the ground if you ain't his. And everybody's like at it. Ah. But I want you It ain't a matter of want to. But I tried to. It's not a matter of tried to. The Lord knows who are His and He didn't send your frequency. That's why I want to make sure we're tuned into heaven. I don't know who this is for. It's not in my notes. Y'all remember the dial, the radio dial? These kids don't know. They're digitally tuned. They don't even know what static is. <laughs> trying to listen to your tune and trying to listen to your song and it just go out. <laughs> And even worse, when it, two stations bleed over, the station with the song you don't want to listen to bleeds over on your jam that you're trying to listen to and you're doing the dial like microsurgery. And you can't get it, right? But now digitally, you can fix that. You can fix it digitally, almost without fail. You can, you can cover over and get the song that you want Heaven has a frequency, and some of you are two turns of the knob off. That's why you don't hear from the Lord clearly. I can't be tuned in to the world's channel and tuned into God's channel at the same time. Can't do it. When you're in between channels, you don't get either one. And this describes many of the last day Christians. Read Revelation three. They have too much of God to enjoy the world and too much of the world to enjoy God, and they're neither. And Jesus said, I would that you were one or the other. Just pick one. Just pick one. I ain't said it in a long time, but I'm buying this CD for myself. I'm going to listen to it. From this revelation flows your confidence. The Spirit... Himself bears witness with your spirit that you're children of God. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, a Father. If you're a son of God, your heart will confirm it. It doesn't create it, it confirms it. Well, well, I don't have that assurance. Then you need to get along with God till you do. And repent. Don't let no preacher tell you you're saved. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. The Spirit affirms. I remember the day I gave my life to the Lord as an adult. I know I was born again as a young boy. I know I was. But from 11 to 24, I was way away from Him. Way. No no interaction. Okay? But listen to this. And again, I've been with you 22 years. You've heard most of all my stories, but maybe I can make them still good with articulation and facial expressions and make it normal. So Mercy University, my third year there, I was on the five-year plan. I completed three years. I wasn't a Christian, by the way. It's hard to work three jobs, be a drunk, and go to school. It was real hard. It just doesn't work well. And so I remember going to church with Remy Rodriguez and Deanna Parrish. And we went to a Baptist church downtown. No offense to my Baptist brothers. I've been in Pentecostal churches that are the same way. Dead as a hammer. Do you hear me? Dead. Dead, liturgical, dead, you take in your if there was such thing as a spiritual meter, it would never beep. It just don't go off. Nothing. I get out of the car, walk onto the parking lot and start crying. And they said, What's wrong with you? I knew it was wrong with me. The spirit was bearing witness to me who I was. <laughs> nothing in my life showed who I was. But when you're a son, you don't become an unson. And they said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Well, you know, my daddy was a preacher, and every time I go near a church, I, I miss him, so I'm crying." They bought it, I didn't. I don't know what my boy was talking about, and I don't know what my guy. You know, they did the cursive D, they sang three songs, and we got done. And then we praise him from whom all blessings flow. Mm-hmm. You maybe be leave. You know, started eleven o'clock sharp, left at twelve o'clock dull. Everybody was good. We got out, and I couldn't shake the fact of why are you crying? Because I knew that although I was living under my heritage, I still had one. And when I gave my life to Him fully, July 6, 86, I got up, I went to the altar, I was there about 45 minutes. Only people left. Was the pastor and my mama and maybe I don't know if there's anybody else, and I got up and I, you know, when you when you cry forty five minutes, you are spent. I got up and I did my hands like this. Some I don't remember who, but like, are you all right? I said, for the first time in a long, I'm all right. I was ready to go, baby. I was ready to go. The spirit let me know it's done. Now we're gonna walk this out, but it's done. You're his. You knew it. I knew it. We know it. They're going to know it. You're his. Such freedom. Such freedom. When the Holy Spirit tells you, You're mine. I ain't lost you. You're mine. When you're going through dark seasons, You're mine. I ain't lost you. Just like salvation. When you go through confusing places or dark places, You're mine. You're mine. He bears witness You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You're, you're his. You're his. That knowledge gives you the capacity to s- transcend, navigate, and overcome every situation. But do you know it? Do you, do you know it? David tapped into this in the Old Testament. He had the Holy Spirit upon him, but not in him like you do. And David wrote, Help, O oh Lord. Help your beloved. Do you know what that means? Favorite. David said, I just want to sit in front of your temple and behold your beauty. I want to live in your house all the days of my life. Even the sparrows have a place in your house. He was longing, he would brush up against the feeling of your possession. Never had it, never had a clear conscience. Never had the idea of being a son, but he said, I'm your favorite. Now, theologically, he doesn't love me better than you. What it means is this. I'm so aware of my sonship that I could say with integrity, he can't love you more than me. He just can't. He likes me. He enjoys me. He knows my flaws, just like we know our little baby's flaws. We know their weaknesses. We know which one uses which one, which one's a protector. He knows all that, but they're ours, and we're His. All right, I'll do one more here. The natural fruit that's manifested from this awareness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, that flows from relationship. I, I, this may be funny. I hope it's not funny because I can't help it. Any of you have anything on your body you wish you could change? <laughs> I wrote on my Facebook, and I was amazed at the people that took shots at me about this. I just had the idea. I had this horrible head cold. What perfect timing for Lee to preach. And Wednesday, but having a head cold is one thing. But when you got a head this size and you have a head cold that's something else. When your head is this big and you have, that's more cold. I mean, you just feel like it weighs, you're yeah, holding it up like this. Just full, full. So if, if you look at pictures of my dad, he had kind of a big head. It just started like this and then went out like this. And my granddaddy, Carl Cox, his nickname was Bull. He had a big head. And I'm thinking, I wish I'd have had just like a, you know, little small head. Can't wear a hat. Never been able to wear a hat. I mean, I can, but it just sticks up on top like this. It won't go down over my head. People think I wear it that way, like, to be different. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I remember in Little League reading this. I remember for the first time looking in the hat, and it says, one size fits all. Like, Mama, <laughs> it don't fit all. I ain't all. Y'all remember the seven little holes in it? Mine would just do this right here. It just never connect in the back. It's the truth. I got that without trying. It, go, it goes with I had someone tell me that I met not too long ago when they came in and uh, people will always tell me of my dad. Two things. They'll say, your daddy was the greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life. And they'll say that no one ever loved me like your daddy. One of those two things they'll say. But this person said, how long's he been dead? And I told him, it's been 42 years. And they said, your mannerisms are just like him. What mannerisms? I you know, no, the way you speak and the inflection of your voice. Did you know that? And I always when I meet somebody that knows him, I just say, tell me stuff about him. Don't you, Haley, just tell me any memory, any picture, any anything. But I don't try to be a wood. If I asked you, okay, grief and Jeff, I want you to be a wood. Study me. Listen to the tapes, take on the shape, the head, everything. It goes with it. It all goes together. And uh, I want you to be a wood. How torturous. First of all, it's kind of a letdown. <laughs> How torturous to try to be someone for every waking moment. And then the moment you stop thinking, you're going to be who you were. That's the problem with many church people is we are trying to tell them to be a Christian when they are not. How torturous. But if you are born again, you can love because God loves. You can be kind because God is kind. You'll be truthful because God is truthful. You can be at peace because God is at peace. You see? You can be gentle because God is You still have your flesh. You're still flawed. But the fruit that naturally grows in your life grows because you are born again. The fruit of the spirit, not fruits. Is I got the fruits. Is I one person tell me they said I got I'm missing about two fruits. of them. I got your love. I got your peace. Joy is sporadic. But patience, baby, preacher, pray for me right here. From pray for, pray for. you don't divide them up and get some and not get the other. There are people that think that. Lord, help me with them last two fruits as I don't have them. <laughs> Great, Dave. Well, you know. we'll blame it on your previous pastor. didn't tell you the truth. Okay. It means that according to the measure of the Spirit in you, the fruit grows accordingly. You can tell how Spirit-filled you are by how much fruit grows without effort. It just grows. Apple trees aren't out there going... What's it looking like? It stays connected to the gr- Ben. If you come, I got to get out. I've, I've, I've been to. If you come, on. it stays to the ground. If the proper nutrients are there, the water's there, the sun's there. If it stays as God designed it, it grows fruit effortlessly. I can be Roger Wood and never think about it. I'm still me. I'm still flawed, but the things that he gave me, okay, come from him. you were born again, not of the will of man, which means other people, not of the flesh. you weren't born of your own flesh, your, nor, nor your desires. you were born of God. and you're his forever. You can't be more his than you are today. and this is the final. I told you last one, but this is really it The disciples would see Jesus go off and pray up on the mountain away from him. They could hear him sometimes. Sometimes they couldn't. They would see him pray as he put his hands on the deaf girl's ears and uh, told her to the ears be open. He heard them say, Talutha kumi, rise, get up. They would hear him pray. He said, Father, I thank you for this food we're about to receive. One boy's lunch, 5,000 people. It wasn't enough. They saw him pray. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray just and I have read books on the Lord's prayer I've read it from the Old Testament slant I've read it from the New Testament slant I haven't read two that get it now I'm not saying they may have revelation all in there that I don't get but they didn't get this because it's not in there when he said pray this way our father he said don't you pray on any platform but relationship Now, when I boast in him, he's God. He's the creator. He's the healer, the preserver, the defender, the Lord, the king. But when you pray, Father, don't approach him outside of relationship. It's the most powerful footing in heaven. I went, my Lord and my God. How many times we go, God, I'm not asking you. Who I am in glory. I'm asking you who I am to you. Father, Father, you're the Son of God. You're His. You're His. You have His ear, you have His heart, you have His mind, you have His bone, you have His flesh. He knows you. You ain't got to hide in a garden. You don't have to cover yourself. You do have to walk honestly before Him. And we'll get to this in the week to come if the Lord tarries. He will discipline you in all of those things. But when you pray, you just start off, Father, whatever you called your dad. And He says, yes. When my little girls or my little boy ask me for something. There are several factors involved there. Do I have it? Am I able to provide it? Is it good for you? Is it time? But I am limited. I'm limited by my flesh. I'm limited by my weaknesses. I'm limited by my immaturities, my perspectives. I'm flawed, but the best that I can, I meet their need out of who I am. Your Father
1: is not limited. (laughs) <laughs> you see how
0: easy it's so easy a child can get it and you know what preachers do I'm going to group me with them we have the innate ability to make profound things profound things prof- profoundly simple things profoundly difficult you're his now what would change in your life if you saw it believed it and flowed from it. Worry would fall off. Frustration would fall off. Anxiety would fall. You just said, you, you got to take care of me. I'm yours. I'm, no offense. I'm not being arrogant, Lord. I'm yours. I'm your problem. I'm, I'm your. If I'm a dog, I'm your puppy. I'm yours. It changes everything. And one of the lessons to come, if Jesus should tarry, I'm going to talk about us going home to be with him, but Uh, I felt very prompted to play this song. I asked Brian to cue it on video. And it doesn't fit the ending of my sermon, but someone here needs to hear this today. So uh, Brian, if you would cue that for me.
1: To dim the eye, all is peace. Let's go.
0: this morning as we dismiss would you just spread out and take one another by the hand as much as you can some people you can't reach them they're too far out the other way would you ever leave your kids on purpose now i know some of us have forgot them at walmart and target and go oh lord and you run back and they're there would you ever leave your children on purpose Would you leave your children here? Neither will he. Son, daughter, son, daughter, son. Daughter,
1: daughter, 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 son, son.
0: That's why it's important that we're part of a local body so that we might give honor and serve and love our sisters and our brothers. Highest form of respect you can give God is loving one another. Lord, what's the greatest commandment? Love me with all your heart, mind, and strength and love that one like you love yourself. So Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the revelation of your grace in our life and our adoption and our recreation. Now we're the sons of God. Now! And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when you come we're going to be like you. Everyone that hath this hope purified himself, even as he is pure. May we, Lord, take in the full revelation so that we may work it out in our choices, our actions, our attitudes. And may the freedom come. May freedom come. Freedom to be ourselves. Freedom to worship. Freedom to love. No fear. No anxiety. For your great namesake. And P.S. Lord, thank you that people like us Get to be in the family. We love you, God. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.